0: Thank you for joining me for this episode of God Talk. And in this episode of God Talk, I want to weave together some current um, news, current affairs, and also some God Talk. Most of you who know me know that like, I really understand God through things that I see in the world and nature. And what that does is it helps make God more relatable. Like when Jesus taught his disciples to pray... Uh, Jesus taught his disciples to call God something different than, than God. Uh, throughout the Old Testament, he's called God, the Lord God Almighty, and so forth. But Jesus says, refer to him as our Father. In, in, in doing so, I mean, it's, it's not a perfect uh, comparison, obviously, because fathers on this earth pale in comparison to God. But you could argue it helps you to understand God a little bit more. And so I, I tend to do that. I tend to use the things of this world, to be able to understand faith in God and so forth. Not that they're perfect comparisons because they're far from perfect, but even if they help you to understand God, you know, 5% better, 10% better than what you otherwise would, then they can be helpful and beneficial. So uh, that's really the theme of, of really what this podcast is. Uh, ultimately, I wanna talk about the fact that that God knows us beyond our ability to even comprehend how well he does know us, because I think for most of us, we feel unknown to God. Like, how can he know me amongst eight or ten billion? I don't, I don't know how many people there are on this earth. Like, how can God really know me? Well, so let me kind of tell a story. Uh, it's not a parable. It's a true story, but something that is an earthly story that will have ultimately a heavenly meaning. But I was reading an article yesterday that kind of blew my mind. Um, and the few people I've talked to about it, they, they're kind of... Shocked by it as well, so I think you'll find it interesting. So there's all kinds of propaganda going on between uh, the different sides. If you're pro-Israel or if you're uh, against Israel, and if you're pro-Israel, you know all you have to do is show the the murders of, of all the people that were murdered and all the horrible things that happened as uh, the Palestinians. Well, it really wasn't Palestinians; it's was Hamas that came in. And, uh, and and did the atrocities that they did, and we can understand that that needs to be wiped out. If you're against Israel, you you talk about the ten thousand or whatever the number is of civilians that have died because, frankly, Hamas has like infiltrated themselves in the the hospitals, the schools, the, the apartment buildings, just it, it, underground of of the society of the Palestinians. And there's going to be casualties when. You know, you use human shields. There's, there's going to be casualties. So, you know, if you're on the side that is pro-Palestinian and you think Israel's evil, you're just, you know, showing all the, all the innocent people, quote unquote, innocent people that have died as a result of Hamas hiding, uh, in their midst. Well, something that I had not heard before yesterday that I find absolutely fascinating is the lengths that Israel is actually going to limit. Uh, how many Palestinians uh, are dying. And, and you just are not hearing this in mainstream media. And I can't remember where I read it. Uh, I don't know if it was USA Today. It was mainstream media, but it just has not been picked up on uh, in a significant level. But apparently the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, before they level these uh, these apartment buildings, these civilian buildings, in which either Hamas has some sort of a network in the midst of these buildings or under these buildings, we don't know. But the Israelis are not just bombing these buildings that are being occupied by people. Now, first of all, they, they'll say in their defense, you know, for a month we've been telling people that they need to evacuate the uh, northern part of, of Gaza and that they, they need to move to the south. And true enough, they, they, they've been doing that. Uh, and the question is as well whether or not you know in, in such an overcrowded area if, if there's any place for these million you know million people or so to flee th- that's arguable but if you're on the Israeli side you could very much justify listen we've given a month warning if people don't get out then they're they're gonna have to suffer the consequences because Hamas is using them as a human shield and, and they could make that argument and, and they sort of do but what we haven't heard is the lengths that they're going, Uh, beyond that, to try to make sure that innocent people aren't being killed needlessly. It's always going to happen, and and that's just the nature of war, but it's a fascinating story. So it was a story of this Palestinian dentist who the Israeli Defense Forces had contacted by his cell phone and basically said, we're giving you two hours, and in two hours, these three buildings are going to be leveled and destroyed you have two hours to go and get everyone out and they knew this guy's like first and last name they knew the guy's son's name they knew everything about the guy and the person that's speaking to them from the Israeli defense force is speaking in perfect Arabic and uh and the guy didn't believe it because you know it sounds like it would be a hoax and why would uh, you know the Israelis be calling me in putting this on me. And so he said that, you know, prove it, uh, fire a warning shot. And he says that immediately uh, a drone shot at a building and he heard an explosion. He said, do it again. And they did it again on command. And he knew that he was talking to the Israelis. And so like, you know, just a madman. He's one begging them to stop destroying innocent people. uh, places where people are living innocent apartment buildings. And the, the, the guy on the other end says, says they're not innocent. He says, yes, they are. It's just where, you know, civilians are living. And the guy on the other side, in perfect Arabic says, we see things that you don't. And, uh, and so he's on one hand begging with the Israeli defense force, not to destroy these places that people are living. And they're giving them a two hour countdown to get everyone out of the buildings. And, uh, and so this goes on, and uh, he gets everyone out of the buildings, and, uh, and when he tells the person on the other end that everyone's out of the building, uh, jets are overhead, and they level these three buildings. They don't hit a fourth. There's really no collateral damage. The buildings that they said were going to be destroyed were, were destroyed. And he's still on the phone with IDF, and IDF tells him, tells him when it's safe for people to uh, go back to like the neighboring buildings, or when the bombings were going to be done, and sure enough, uh, when that was told, it was done. And then he gets a call. Then I, the next time, I believe it's maybe even in the middle of the night. And once again, he's given two hours to to do this. And and he talks about how like even when his cell phone died, like the the all of a sudden like people's cell phones next to him were ringing, saying, we need to speak to, you. I, I forget the guy's name. I should have printed out the article. But it, it, it's the really the point that I'm trying to tell you. Like They knew so much information, not only on this individual, they knew who his neighbors were, what their phone numbers were, that when the guy's cell phone had died, um, th- they're calling the neighbors who have to go and give this guy the cell phone. so this guy was responsible he's a dentist uh and and you know he was responsible with what they tasked him to do so then that the next time they're about to uh do a few more buildings in that area they call him back and uh because they know that he's gonna get people out and he's warning them like no there there's a, a building right across the street from this and it's a bunch of disabled people and you you can because you're you know we can't get them out and the voice on the other end very calmly says we're not going to hit that building these are the four buildings that we're going to hit tonight and this was going on in the middle of the night there wasn't power it was very difficult to kind of coordinate all of it and uh and sure enough that that's exactly where they hit that's who they hit and uh and and it it once again, no one gets uh, k- killed. No one dies as a result of that again. And, uh, and they use this guy uh, at least those two times. They may have actually even used him a third time. And, uh, and he's kind of telling his story. Now, you can sit there and think, no, this didn't really happen. Uh, th- there's no way. But a Palestinian would have no reason, and, and apparently his d- dental practice, everything was kind of in this area that ultimately Israel was bombing few buildings at a time uh, to try to dismantle the terror network that was either part of these buildings or underneath it. Uh, the, the Defense Force didn't give that kind of detail, but what's crazy is, I think it was on the second one, he, the, they're like, we are not going to bomb, the voice said very calmly, I am not going to bomb until you tell me that it's safe to bomb. You will tell me when I can bomb. I will not bomb before that. And he's like, I'm not going to tell you to bomb uh, like uh, our own people. He's like, I'm not going to bomb until you give me the orders to bomb. And then the bombs will drop. You get everyone out. Do this within two hours. And and so the guy ultimately, when everyone's out says, okay, you can drop the bombs. And that's when the bombs come. And, And what's crazy about that is like you just wouldn't think that Israel would have that kind of knowledge of of the average Palestinian, that they know who this one doctor is, that they know uh, his kid's name, that they know detailed information about him, that they know who his neighbors are, that they know the neighbor's telephone number. And a Palestinian would have no reason to speak this story if it were not true because it, it honestly makes the Israelis look very compassionate. It makes them look very well. Uh, and, and even like if it's even if they're doing this, there's got to be some animosity to the Israelis because in the end, yeah, they gave you warning before they destroyed, but you lost maybe your pet because you couldn't get your pet out. You lost your great grandmother's special furniture. I I mean, there's a lot of different things that you could still be very angry about in the situation, uh, but, but this Palestinians telling the story uh, to me, it's just mind blowing that once again, uh, the Israeli government would have that much information about people that are living in, in Gaza. Um, and and once again, where I started with this whole story was that for me, I understand God through, through the world. Once again, it's not a perfect, I'm not claiming it is a perfect correlation, but even if it's uh, a, a slightly better correlation than how do we understand an, uh, an unknowing God. One of the things that I've struggled with most about God is like, how can God know like 8 billion people? How can he hear 8 billion? People? Well, not everyone's praying to him, but let's say a billion people are praying to him. How can he hear, he hear all those prayers? The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on our head and, and he just has this this very intimate relationship with us that I think if we can understand that, wow! uh, To understand how how God could know us each personally is beyond really our ability to comprehend. Now I I still can't wrap my mind around that but listen if if the Israelis can know that kind of detailed information about a bunch of people that are, are basically considered enemies of Israel you know, however they do it, whether they do it through just their spy agency or they do it through, you know, computers or whatever. Well, we ultimately know that the God who created this world is above all these other things that, once again, if a small government like Israel can can know this about their adversary, I mean, how much more can our God in heaven know this about each and every one of us? Like I said, it doesn't still get me from point A to point B. I, I can't fully understand how God is able to do that. I know by my experiences that God knows me intimately. He knows how to get my attention. He knows how to um, how to speak to me. Uh, and I've experienced Him in, in profound ways in, in which you know He's spoken to me in, in undeniable ways. So I know the passage to be true by my own experiences. But to, to see that going on real time, even amongst humans, being able to do that amongst other humans, how much more than our father in heaven, who's created this, this not only this world, but our solar system, not, not only the solar system, but uh, the, the, the galaxy that we live in, not just the galaxy that we live in, but think about all the galaxies throughout the universe. God is the creator of them all. And when we think about the vastness of what he's able to do, is it hard to believe that God knows us each by name, that he actually knows the hairs on our head. And if we actually understood that God, God has the ability to know us, to track us, to follow us, to know our deeds, not only our deeds, but to know our hearts. I mean, he can. And and if a foreign power can do that amongst other people, how much more so can our god to us and once we know that god knows us in that way and we know that our deeds are not done in secret our thoughts are not in secret the feelings on our hearts are not in secret then i wonder i wonder if we drive differently because when we're driving like no one no one knows it's us and there's no ra- ramifications for our actions you know what when when, when we're in situations or around other people or how we're speaking or what we're drinking or what we're doing, you know, morally, ethically, all these different things, you know, oftentimes when no other eyes are watching, we're like, you know what? No one will ever know. Well, God will. Cause he knows us by name and he does know the hairs on our head. He knows our cell numbers. If you want to take it to Santa Claus, he knows who's naughty and nice. Santa doesn't, but God does. Um, and so that's really what I thought about when I read that article. One, I'm amazed that man can develop such a, a network that he could know his enemies, his adversaries, so intimately and so so complete. And when you think about all the people that Israel's killing who've, who've had responsibility in the Hamas attack, how are they doing that? They're, they're tracking them down because they know either their phones, they know where they live, they know where their friends live, they will track them down. Well, ultimately God knows us the same. And, uh, and I think that's sobering when we understand that we live before an all knowing God who ultimately says that on judgment day, he's gonna judge us according to our deeds. I don't think God needs to use a supercomputer, but if he does, I don't care what tools God uses. I just know that he has the ability to do it. And he knows us uh, once again, completely and totally. So as we go through life, maybe we live with something called the fear of the Lord, knowing that the Lord uh, uh, the Lord is watching over us uh, and it uh, knows us better than what we would ever begin to know or to understand. Well, just something to think about in this episode of God Talk. I appreciate you uh, tuning in and I look forward to talking to you next week. God bless and have a great day.